Hello. How are you? <laughs> okay, it's spring break for me. It is, yes. Spring Happy break, spring break. break. Spring well break, deserved break, break, break for sure. Yeah. You've been doing so much. Yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's little nothing to humble say. bub. Yeah. There's nothing to say there. How is it going so far? Beautiful day today. My goodness. Yeah, I got the hammock. Winnie is confused by what he's supposed to do in the hammock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also still hates the pool. I was in, in case the anyone hammock. was wondering, Winston hates the water. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he's very curious about it. So if he goes out on his own through our doggy door, if you look out there, like he's either lying in the dirt or grass or he's sniffing at the pool. He just like, I don't know mm-hmm. if it smells interesting to him. He sniffs at the pool every time, but right before he... Peace. Before and after, yeah, he'll go, he he'll pee, and it. he runs up to the pool, and yeah, I don't know what it is, but it somehow has become part of his Why? habit. It's pretty hilarious. But oh I was also God, in the, this was our first day with the hammock up, and it was just a beautiful choice. It was mm-hmm. really, really nice. Although I will say, I got a little luckier going out a bit earlier, because the way we had it set up, my head was in the shade, which was nice and made it much more palatable for me. You were in the full sun. Maybe that works for you, but I felt pretty hot when when I was sitting next to you. No, it was very hot. Yeah. Uh, What else is going on? Got some Wizards Unite stuff going on. Big big storyline stuff. Pretty exciting. (laughs) Well, they shifted the calendar because they were working on the update, so like everything is compact and yeah, it's basically April, so Mm. (laughs) that means another whole month of things, which is also. Uh, one year anniversary from getting affiliate on Twitch. I know. Wow, what a year! So I've been I've been streaming for a year. Because you told me something about like it's been a, it'll be a year since like uh, the year marker in Wizard Unite, meaning oh yeah, the two year marker. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me that that was a year ago. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. Granted, it's June, so it's still a couple months away. Right, right. Yeah, otherwise, you know, I've been playing some... We played a cool game together, which we're going to pick up on stream sometime this week. Yeah, well, of course, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. it's called It Takes Two, Mm -hmm. and it's a cute little narrative where, like, we're going to get copy striked. Hmm? No, it was bad. (laughs) Where it's this husband and wife... Okay, the storyline is it's a husband and wife. Uh, they're planning on getting divorced, and there's they have a kid, and she has these little dolls, and she basically cries on them, and they come to life, and you play <laughs> as those characters who are the husband and wife, and um, it's You're it's like a really dolls. cool co op uh, type. Um, I guess mechanic where you're you're working together, um, even though you don't have the same abilities. I was watching the VOD the other uh, or this morning, and I realized that it's actually really. Um, the game is more helpful than what we were leading on because it'll tell you when there's a point of interest to like interact with, it'll have the color and that color corresponds with your character. Mm-hmm. So you kept trying to jump on the the little nail, but it was blue and that's my character. So I was the only one that could do that. But yeah, it's like a bunch of household things. So like we were a hammer and nail combo. Um, we fought a demon toolbox. I don't and know. And a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. It's really well put together. Yeah. And you have your term that you like now that you've come across. Ludo narrative. Yeah. Where that means that the the narrative and the game mechanics are consistent in sync. and integrated. Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense that like the we're band. doing these things. 
in sync. <laughs> yeah, in sync uh, coined the term Ludo narrative. Yes, of course they just did. Just kidding. Yes. Just kidding. I believe Justin <laughs> wrote about it. Oh man. Yeah, in digital get down. Um, <laughs> all right, we're off the deep yeah, end. It's we, a good way to start. We rewrote history of. It's spring break for you. You know, we got a certain energy, and it's clearly spring. It's light out uh, right now, yeah. and it's almost you know seven p.m. Yep. Do you want to get into it though? Yeah, let's go. All right. One's ready. Turn to page 314. Mm -hmm. Hey, Pi. <laughs> Professor Trelawney's prediction. Today's lesson is called Interpretation. Mm -hmm. A synopsis. The chapter begins with the students buckling down for finals, and our trio concerned about the news that the executioner would be attending Buckbeak's appeal, an ominous sign that the decision had already been made. Hermione's schedule appears to have errors, but she won't elaborate. <gasps> the beak. Anyway, Bucky. sorry. I no, no problem. Harry proceeds through his finals with mixed success, including an out-of-control cheering charm that causes Ron to laugh hysterically for an hour. His last final is Divination, a one-on-one -on -one final involving crystal gazing. In it, he sees Buckbeak flying freely. Afterward, Trelawney appears to enter a trance state and recites out a prophecy about the Dark Lord and his servant and then proceeds not to recall her prophesizing. Harry wants to tell Ron and Hermione, but is interrupted by an urgent note that Buckbeak has lost the appeal and is set to be executed. Hermione goes to retrieve Harry's abandoned cloak and the trio go visit with Hagrid to comfort him. While they are in the cabin, they surprisingly find a frightened scabbers before hiding while Buckbeak is apparently executed. Mm-hmm. What a chapter. I mean, this is we we have this, I feel, probably in all good stories, we're we're this is the approach to the climax of the story, right? Like we have we have had all these um threads being pulled throughout the story, and now they're all coming together. It's like scabbers. And Hermione's schedule mm -hmm. and uh, Buckbeak and yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I wrote a lot of things down about uh, or related to the final exams, so I'm glad you had that in your synopsis. Um, so the first one, mm. like, I mean, they have an intense final exam schedule, which I guess is like they have this every year, but for whatever reason, because it was outlined, I was like, okay, we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm -hmm. <laughs> Thursday. Mm -hmm. uh, so Monday starts with the Transfiguration teapot to tortoise. Um, <laughs> did you know that tortoises are turtles, but not all turtles are tortoises? Because I did not. Uh, I think I did know that. And that's what I yes. learned. Yes, I think uh, I did. So Hermione's like all stressed because she can't make the, t the tortoise. Mm. Uh, and she's like, I have a turtle. It looks more like a turtle. Um, tortoises have more rounded and dome shells, where turtles have thinner, more water dynamic shells. Uh, a difference is that tortoises spend most of their time on land, and turtles are adapted for life spent in water. Uh, tortoises also have club-like forelegs and elephantine, which is a word. I did not know that that was a word, but elephantine hind legs. Uh, because tortoises are often larger and heavier, their hind legs help them move around and carry extra weight. Mm. Um, and turtles will have more flipper-like legs or web feet. So I just like well, learned swim a, lot. a couple of things about turtles and tortoises. Oh, very cool, yeah. Also, the comment about the willow-like um, shell. There's like a comment in there about the willow shell um, that I looked up is actually a classic uh, design that happens on teapots. It's it's often huh. depicted as like 
you know, like it's a white with the blue is the the decor de decor, and it's sure. supposed to represent this uh, Chinese setting, and like there's a whole lore related to a willow tree that's part of it. So oh, very interesting. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, all of that packed into this very little minor turtle tortoise. Exchange. You bought me a tea cup. Yep. That has somewhat a, a similar in uh, there. Mm -hmm. color scheme. Yeah. It's like blue and mm -hmm. ceramic. Yeah. Yeah. I got that when Beautiful. I went in China. To China. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Monday, also the cheering charm. So, yeah. Yeah. The cheering charm. I did. Well, because I said uh, in that chapter, Hermione's like all stressed about it. And it actually comes up in the OWLs later mm -hmm. in their later years. But now we have it here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the lesson that she Let, slept Let's pause through on the cheering charm because this was what. I kind of looked at because uh -huh. I, I got I was just so tickled by the idea that like Ron oh, laughs Ronald. for a full hour hysterically, except for that it's actually quite dark, right? In the sense that what I looked up was when magic goes wrong. Uh oh, like what's happening, right? Well, so it's spells <laughs> that break, uh -huh. right? But it's not just kids; it actually gets dark fast. It and I'll just oh, mention boy. some things that are going to happen in the future that are relevant. So the cheering charm was good. Uh, splinching yeah. is a thing. Yes. When you try to apparate and you're not particularly practiced at it or you're in dire cir circumstances, you can actually leave a, a piece of yourself behind. Behind. Mm -hmm. So we'll see Ron deal with that. Uh, Neville is makes it a lot. Mm. it gets like stretched? I don't think so. I think it, it rips off. Oh. Because you know you're like displacing yourself? You're like in one spot, then you're in another spot. The whole of yourself doesn't move. Some of it gets left behind. Yeah. Very, very scary. In the seventh one, right? Ron, like, yeah, destroys his arm. Yeah, but he didn't seem like he wasn't bloody. No, yes, he was. Oh, yes, he, was. he is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. I'm going to have to rewatch that. Yeah. Well, maybe not in the movie. But well, yeah, I guess he that gets would make sense. wrecked pretty hard because Hermione's fumbling and it's all bloody and there's mm. the potions and stuff. Uh, Neville makes a lot of mistakes. Like in the book, he makes a lot more mistakes than I think in the movie. In the movie, often Seamus is the one who's like portrayed as making a ton of mistakes. Um, but those are kind of interesting and it is related to like learning, right? But then also you have in the second book, Harry with the flu powder and mispronunciation and winding up in a different place, which was interesting. In the seventh book... Oh, of course, also in the previous book, we had Ron's broken wand, which was an interesting mm -hmm. relationship, and Lockhart, like, and how badly that actually goes when mm -hmm. something misfires or back backfires in that case. Uh, we'll, ha we'll hear about Luna Lovegood, and her mother has a very severe accident with magic, mm -hmm. so, like, max magical accidents are kind of interesting. And then uh, Ariana Dumbledore will also be a relevant kind of person when it comes to what uncontrolled or accidents look like with magic mm -hmm. it was just really interesting and i was glad that it went that direction because when i started i was like oh it'll kind of like it's kind of funny it like made me laugh that ron had to laugh hysterically for an hour or like the vomiting of the slugs like it's used sometimes as this you know funny moment but really mm -hmm. like it's there's 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 a darkness to it that's all. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, for sure. I mean, magic is pretty dangerous, <laughs> which I guess like from a future perspective, when we encounter Dolores Umbridge of the sort of like, oh, well, you don't, you can't handle this. Like, you're going to just learn about it. You're not going to actually do it mm -hmm. is 
often something that we also see in schools of Mm -hmm. uh, not letting students do the thing, but just think about the thing or talk about the thing, right? but not make anything with the thing. There's a certain perspective, and I think that's where I was hoping to go with the title of like interpretation is Mm. that we have some experience with that as like a framework to understand even knowing and whatnot from our our training. And I think like this is related with Umbridge is that you can talk about the application of knowledge in bad ways, right? Of like the same type of knowledge can be applied to bad ends or good ends Mm -hmm. and in between, of course. And so like you can always use the fact that something could be good or bad to justify its inclusion or exclusion from a curriculum. It's very difficult to navigate this. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, I think, for math, not to go too far off the the path, but like there's some educational um, justification for math. A, a group of people large in number say like, well, math is fairly neutral and that's actually a, a virtue for learning it. That like, it is sort of abstracted and therefore like uh, it is up to the user kind of to what ends it's put mm-hmm. kind of interesting. You can yeah, argue we that talked for science about this too. in like our first season about like, they don't even talk about ethics in this school yeah. or in our <laughs> school. So like, it, right. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not going to center those conversations, then you've already given up any sort of like resemblance of control of the content that you try to, engage with in a schooling setting so um mm-hmm. i understand like people being afraid of like oh what are people going to do with this knowledge or whatever or even thinking right. about the dark arts like studying right. that i mean i know it's defense against the dark arts but they have this whole restricted section in their school library mm-hmm. and so there are things that um are marked as um dangerous or things that maybe shouldn't be known on a larger scale but you still have access to it and so until you like really practice um, or, or I don't practice is not the right word, but like engage in conversations about what it means mm-hmm. to be um, what do you what you do with knowledge, then I don't know, like you can't pretend like, oh, well, this is fine because you're mm-hmm. actually making it worse because you're not talking about it. Yep. Well, uh, yes, I agree completely. And I'm glad you tied that back in with like restricted sections and what we'll learn about Horcruxes, I think is a good example of this. And we literally face this in education a lot of sort mm-hmm. of like, do you teach these sort of tragedies or or um, bad things that have happened, say, in history or science or even mathematics, like being applied to evil ends? Um, will And I think you get these weird arguments that we probably talked about in previous episodes of like, well, you shouldn't expose people to this mm-hmm. versus you sh- you need to expose people to this. That would be where I land generally because otherwise they're going to stumble across it likely in an unsupervised manner, which, you know, brings up all sorts of different problems. So Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of times the arguments are like fear of indoctrination, which right. I know we have talked about before, but... Wouldn't you rather that be in a setting within a community where people are um, at least 
have a relationship with each other to be able to have difficult conversations or work through things that are messy or complicated mm -hmm. rather than like, oh, we'll pretend like it doesn't exist, censor right. everything. And then those things are going to be seen anyway. And right. you don't have a, a structure or a space that is with like a loving consideration because you care about the people involved. It's just sort of I don't know. It could be propaganda. It could be like all of that other stuff that people are afraid of. But you, I don't know. I'm kind of in this like mindset of you relinquished the right to like complain about it because you right. you were like, oh, I'm not going to even touch this because that'll be that'll be the solution. It's a real puzzle, and I think the problem that I have the most with like, okay, the negative word definitely would be you censor something so you don't bring it in or you don't expose somebody might be the positive way to think about it is like to ideas that really don't deserve airtime. Right. Uh, but the problem of course, especially in this day and age is that that doesn't mean those ideas aren't getting airtime. And like mm -hmm. it w might be better if people were better equipped to deal with them. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this with chamber of secrets and like just the mm -hmm. whole, like they, uh, they uncovered, the this like basilisk thing the, the chamber of secrets mm -hmm. which you know is connected and deeply rooted in a pure blood ideology mm -hmm. and we we mentioned in like a previous episode like i guarantee you those teachers at hogwarts weren't like oh let's have a serious discussion about what this is like mm -hmm. it's like oh let's ignore it because like we know this is wrong and whatever but that does obviously we still see instances of that ideology being enacted in different ways present day with the students. And yeah. And now I'm thinking about like, you know, we've talked about the null curriculum before, but I'm thinking, cause we talked Horcruxes, but I can't remember if there's any educational space for memory modification. And then I also think there's not any educational space for legilimens and occlumency, which we'll see Harry go through in like a private tutoring way in the fifth book. Yeah. Which are also interesting because like, you could argue mm -hmm. that the whole argument in the fifth book will boil down to whether Harry should know about what Voldemort is trying to do or not. Will it make him weaker? Will it make him stronger? Mm. Kind of interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, this whole, I was, when I was looking at the final exam stuff, I was thinking a lot about just um, this concept of like um, what students need to know or like what they should be learning that sort of thing and like because ultimately what this whole week of final exams for these students is like oh well you care about a particular thing for mm -hmm. students to be able to do mm -hmm. or know or whatever it you is. could definitely argue and we hear this a lot about the uselessness of what is being taught mm. like the cheering charm is i can't imagine a proper use of it that mm -hmm. isn't somehow evil actually certainly like divination and the crystal gazing like the fact that you have to have a gift to be, be even able to even do it like yeah it's a very puzzling it's a, it's very real mm. the educational conundrums so on tuesday hagrid in care of magical creatures is <laughs> he's he's done he doesn't, he oh, doesn't care hagrid. that's i i read that a section and i was like i know what that feels like hagrid i i understand what you're going through uh, but you still have to keep going um, in the sense of like, why are you doing this exam? You don't want even want to be here. Let's all go home. So keep the flopper worm alive for an hour. <laughs> and they best just leave him alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, potions, I wonder if anyone failed. <laughs> uh, maybe Malfoy. Yeah. Wanting to torture it. 
uh, but no, if no, Malfoy would not fail. Yeah, like no, Lucius wouldn't. would be all up in there. Yeah. Uh, the confusing concoction in potions, which Harry mm. believes that Snape gave him a zero, which I found also comical because I can't even imagine giving a student a zero on an assessment unless they didn't do it, right. in which case it would be an incomplete, but right. whatever. Um, so I looked a little bit at the confusing uh, draft, and it's related to something called the befuddlement draft, hmm. um, where so confusing is to confuse the person. Befuddlement is to cause the person uh, to desire producing uh, reckless behavior. And in both potions, what I found from the wiki is that the, the ingredients are scurvy grass, lovage, and sneezewort. And I was like, oh, interesting. Interesting. I wonder if Gareth Greengrass used this on Grimfall. No. <laughs> so yeah. I, I had like all sorts of stuff. Defense Against the Dark Arts is this giant obstacle course, which I'm just kind of, I'm sitting here being like, okay, like, of all the teachers, I could see Lupin having the most practical, like in the sense of like you have to perform something mm. in a context or situation out of all of these subjects. But I'm also kind of like, um, I don't know about that one. I'm not sure. And then poor Hermione at the end, they have to encounter a Bogart. So she's just like she failed. She sees Hermione. I mean Hermione. She sees. She sees. She sees herself. No, dun, she sees dun, dun. McGonagall just being like, "You failed mm -hmm. everything," which, to a certain extent, made me pause because I was like, she was hysterical about it. So then I'm like, wait, should they be looking at Bogarts? That even if they, I mean, especially because they reveal your worst fear, like, mm. or like, at what point does it become torture? Like, you're just torturing students. Um, and then divination. So this is like the bigger one mm. with the orb. So, um, yeah, Harry, Harry said, so it seemed to me that Harry was making stuff up, right? Yeah. And of course, Trelawney's like, no, this is like, whatever. Um, I love that she's excited when he first brings up the hippogriff and she's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, because she's like, oh, maybe he is does. It dead? <laughs> yeah, that's no. that's. Because she knows about the execution. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, everyone does. I did have a question though. So, like, uh, Parvati is, uh, she comes down because they're doing this individually, and she's mm. like, oh, Trelawney says I have a the true making mm. markings or whatever makings of a seer. So, does that mean that she is good at lying, or like, what is the mm. implication there, or can be a fraud? I like, I <laughs> it's this is entirely the up to the interpretation of Trelawney. So, mm. if she likes you, yeah, and you're committed to her, yeah. fraud, then she will give you an A. <laughs> you're like, oh, you could be the next seer. So, I no. I went down this like slight rabbit hole with seers because. Um, apparently there is an ancient wizarding practice of consulting a naming seer. Mm. So this is when couples go to like, they're trying to figure out what to name their baby. Oh. So some families Draco. have a, <laughs> have a tradition of names. So, uh, the black family like mm. to name their offspring after stars and constellations. Mm -hmm. And, um, which this is from the wizarding world. There's like a post on there. Uh, it says, which many would say suits their lofty ambition and pride. Uh, and okay. then other wizarding 
families like the Potters and the Weasleys just pick their favorite names. And right. they just, yeah, they just pick wow. a name. So, Billius. <laughs> Billius. Well, that's his grandpa, right? Yeah, or uncle or whoever it is, a family member. <laughs> so apparently a naming seer will, for a hefty payment of gold, predict the child's future hmm. and suggest an appropriate name hmm. that fits that. Mm-hmm. Um the the blog post Kins. says <laughs> this practice is becoming increasingly rare. Many parents prefer to let them uh, find their own way and dislike receiving premature hints of aptitude, limitations, or at worst, catastrophe. <laughs> Mothers and fathers have often fretted themselves silly. I'm going to name him Grim Folly. Yeah, right. On the way home from the naming seer, wishing... They had not heard the seer's prediction about their child's personality or future. That makes me laugh, though, because <laughs> I'm like, okay, you went to go, you went and paid money to a person who's going to be like, oh, yeah, this will happen. You're not going to like this, but you should name the child Voldemort <laughs> <laughs> after Thomas. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I, I thought that was funny because mm. I was like, oh, Sears, naming Sears specifically because I don't know, people, well, names are important, I guess, but it's also kind of weird because it's like, why why do you care so much? But mm-hmm. I guess you could say that to a lot of mm-hmm. what they do or what people do. And then after Trelawney becomes possessed, like, which in the movie is like kind of scary when she's just like. The Dark Lord, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And the way it's written, we'll find out later, is very interesting. But uh, after Harry tells her, the quote I wrote down for this chapter is she says, I would certainly not presume to predict anything quite uh, as far-fetched yeah. as that. And I'm like, lady, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Come on, Charlie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I saw that one too, and I've had the same reaction. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, this woman. (laughs) Well, it's also like, they do this all the time. All the adults, they like look away when it's actually anything serious or meaningful. And then when it's something that's just so insignificant, they care about these little things or want to make a big spectacle, which I don't know, I guess keep avoiding Hmm. the danger that is clearly ahead. Um, And then the last thing that I saw, which is when they, so Hermione like is being, um, I don't know how to describe Hermione in this book, but this is definitely part of her like character arc. And so she is becoming more brave in the sense of, or demonstrating her bravery of just being like, uh, when Ron says is like, she walks out on Trelawney, she punches Malfoy. And then she storms off to go find the invisibility cloak mm-hmm. on her own. She goes mm-hmm. get, and gets it. They go to see Hagrid. And, um, okay, first of all, Scabbers is in a milk jug. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, which we'll find out in the, I imagine the next chapter, or I guess the sec- next Soon, two. I think. Yeah, it, I, I think feel the like... next chapter is Dog, Cat, and Rat. Oh, so okay. I think. Yeah. So. We've been waiting on this whole scabbers situation yeah, for a while. Yeah, we have. Uh, but this is the moment where they come up uh, and Walden McNair is with them, which is the name of the ministry executioner who yes. shows up. Um, I wasn't sure if I should McNair. spoiler alert this, but he is... He Friends will be, with Lucius. I was going to say, yeah. He will be revealed to be a Death Eater. Yes, he will be. And... Uh, what I found on his wiki page is that his bogart is Voldemort. 
which I thought was interesting because that I, th- I think represents this idea of people following him because they're terrified of him or like mm-hmm. how that dynamic comes into play for why do people follow this person mm-hmm. <laughs> to begin yeah, with. Yeah, not all of them are true believers. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he participated in the first Wizarding War and um, like a bunch of the other Death Eaters uh, said that they were being controlled or under control. Yeah, you'd really think that him. like does developing some way of verifying whether they were under control or not would be like a top priority. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like anyone's trying to do that. Or at least, I mean, you're tracking all of your under 17-year-olds. Why don't you just track these people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's too much surveillance. That might be too too yeah. much in the other direction. Yeah. Negligent homicide. You're still going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's all that I have. Yeah, it's a good chapter. It's uh, definitely, you can, for me, like, it feels like a big turning point. Like, and having it be finals just helps, mm-hmm. like, putting Buckbeak's execution on the day of the last final is just yeah, such a fascinating yeah. choice and, like, to make it all fit together like that. hmm Yeah, and I appreciate the consistency in the characters. Like, they have true arcs and they have true consistencies. It's not like somebody just, like, night and days us. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, Hermione reaching this point of being like i'm going just tell me the password i'll go get it Mm -hmm. like it's been building yeah why she would be like i don't care anymore like i'm gonna break some rules well she also knows that this is not okay this whole situation is not okay i loved how ron was like i did so much research and they're not they're gonna just disregard it and i was just like oh ouch yeah (laughs) yeah i get it's like from their different positions like how this is very frustrating from for them of like from the perspective of like this is not like this is unjust yeah Yeah. (laughs) unjust 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 and uh malfoy oh man there was that one line in there malfoy was basically bragging that buckpeak was going to be sentenced to death and i'm like oh man Bro. Wow, that's that's bad. You got to work on yourself. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> like, man. But A yeah. lot of apologists for Draco out there <laughs> and Snape. I know, I'm one of them, but yeah. uh it's hard to it's hard to be in these like really really awful moments. Like I know when adversaries came out, people were like, "Oh, Draco's not an adversary," but it's like you look at his record, like he's he's uh, he does some really really bad things. But yeah. <laughs> That was good, though. That was fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Until next time, then. One's, One's ready. ready.